today uh, we're going to kind of open up a, uh, not really a new series, but just a new message today uh, entitled uh, Blind Spots. And what we want to talk about today is really uh, what I just want to call the hidden hindrances, the hidden hindrances in our life that really kind of keep us from stepping in to what God has for our life, really moving into that place of fullness and that place of life that God has for us. And so this morning, we're going to kind of open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read the words of Jesus this morning. And Jesus tells a story. He says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I want you to look at that first point on your outline this morning. And I want you to just hear a little simple statement. We all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. And I, I just want to kind of uh, just uh, be really honest with you this morning that the truth is... Uh, we don't always realize that we have blind spots, but this last week, last weekend, Kelly and I and our family had a chance uh, to go to Gatlinburg, and we went to a big family reunion with my dad's family, 51 people from five different states gathered together, and uh, we saw people, some people we had never met, and saw some people we hadn't seen in a long time, and we had a great time just meeting with family, fellowshipping food, having some fun together, uh, but on Monday morning, I was doing my quiet time, we were getting ready to come home, and uh, in, my, in my quiet time Monday morning, the Lord just really revealed something to me uh, that checked my heart. And what God revealed to me was a blind spot. He revealed a blind spot in my life. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, we are a church that loves to reach broken, hurting people, and we really feel like that's a vital part of what we do as a church, kind of reaching people that other churches don't want to reach. And, uh, and I feel like I do a really good job when broken, hurting people walk in our church, not just on Sunday, but every day at the week through Celebrate Recovery, through the outreaches that we do, through our small groups. I feel like that when a broken, hurting person walks into Liberty Church, man, I feel so good about loving them, encouraging them, connecting them, and making sure they find a path and a place to move forward and grow and experience what God has. And, and that's exciting. But you know what I recognized last weekend? I recognize that when I meet broken, hurting people outside of my environment, I'm not as good at it as I thought I was. <laughs> and I walked away from last weekend recognizing that I had missed some moments. I really feel like there were some divine opportunities that God gave me last weekend with some folks that I may never actually get to see again, and I really didn't take advantage of those moments. As a matter of fact, I didn't capture them in, in any way that I really believe I should have captured those moments. I, and I'm not talking about just preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel. I'm talking about just connecting with people. I'm talking about building bridges in people's lives so you can one day hopefully begin to really share the gospel and create a real relationship where there's real communication and real love and real exchange that's happening. I just walked away from last weekend realizing, man, I missed some great moments. And what I thought I was really good at... <laughs> I realize I'm not that good at. I realize I've got a blind spot. And as I was praying about that, I read Matthew chapter 7 in my quiet time, the story, right, of the guy that, that has this plank in his eye, right, and he looks at his brother who has a speck in his eye, and, and Jesus calls him a hypocrite, right? He kind of rebukes this guy a little bit. He says, you know, what are you doing here trying to remove that speck from your brother's eye? Don't you realize you got this big beam, right? Let me give you a modern-day translation, two before, <laughs> 
You got this big old two before stud sticking out of your eye. You're trying to get sawdust out of your brother's eye. Jesus is saying, hey guys, don't you realize you got some blind spots? And when I use the word, we all have blind spots. That word all is a big word, right? But you know what the Holy Spirit just said, Keith, it's true. We all have blind spots. And the Lord began to show me that what blind spots are, blind spots really are kind of hidden hindrances. Little hidden hindrances in our lives that keep us from living the life that God's called us to live. And then the Lord kind of gave me this example in my mind. He said, Keith, he said, it, it really is, it's that last 10%. I want you to think about that little phrase for just a minute. The last 10%. Because the reality is, is most of us in this room, we're probably doing pretty good. As far as pretty good is measured, right? We're probably doing pretty good. We're probably chugging along. Most of us are probably pretty much on purpose. We're trying to live a Christian life. We're trying to honor God. We're trying to do the right thing, at least as consistently as we feel like we can do those things. But here's the reality. The Lord began to show me. He said, Keith, it's those blind spots in your life that really keep you from tapping into that last 10%. That last 10%, that last element of breakthrough, that last element of excellence, that last element that really pushes you through to that next level where supernatural things begin to happen. I mean, if your car begins to operate on 90% of its cylinders, you go get it fixed because you're not content with driving it around that way. We should not be content with a 90% Christianity. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm not. I'm not content with that. I've just settled in my heart. I'm not content with just being 90%. I want that last 10%. And when you think about that in your life, that that really looks a a lot different in a lot of our different lives. If you're a college student, that last 10% might be the difference between a B and an A. Right, really pressing through to doing your best, to not just coming short, right, to really excelling in that area. If you're a graduate of of college, right, and maybe you're finishing up your classes, that last 10% might be the difference between you having a lot of job options and a few job options. In your marriage relationship, that last 10% might be the difference between you looking forward to going home or dreading going home. That last 10% in relationships with parents and child might mean the difference between there being an environment of peace and joy or whether there's strife and tension. That last 10% financially might be the difference between you just getting by and you actually breaking through to a place of breakthrough and provision where you know God has called you to be. In the area of ministry, that last 10% might be, it might be you really launching out and, and releasing, I mean stepping into a whole new level of impact and influence for the gospel where things really begin to happen and lives really begin to get changed. And I just decided this week, God, I want that last 10%. I want that last 10% spiritually. I want that last 10% relationally. I want that last 10% financially. In every area of my life, I want to break into that last 10%. And this is what I begin to recognize, and you already know this. There is something supernatural with it. When you press into that last 10%, when you you refuse to settle for just a a good enough Christianity, well, you know, I'm doing good enough. No, I don't want to be good enough. I want to be operating to the best of my ability by the grace that God gives me, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the inspiration of His Word, and by the community of faith that we have as a local church. I want to operate at 100%. And so I want to challenge you to think about, is there any area in your life where you can say, you know what, man, there's another 10%. 
There, there's another 10%. Maybe it's on your job. Maybe, maybe that last 10% is the difference between you getting a promotion and a raise or you staying right where you've been for the last five years. Think about it. Is there an area in your life where you know there's another 10%? There's another level that you could probably step into that if you really stepped into that and you begin to operate in that thing, that you could really break through to a new place that maybe you've never even been before. My prayer this morning is that we desire that. My prayer this morning is that every one of us in this room say, you know what, God, I want that last 10%. 90% effectiveness and efficiency is not enough. God, I want to operate at 100%. Jesus died that we operate at 100%. And I want to tap into that, God. And so I want to challenge you to go ahead and begin to think about maybe specific areas in your life where you know there's another 10% that God has for you. And if you were to tap into that, you know without a shadow of a doubt there would be a real difference in your life. So let's talk about why do we have blind spots. We're just going to kind of dissect Matthew 7 a little bit together and just talk through this. Jesus gives us some amazing insight into this story about really having this blind spot in our life. So why do we have blind spots? Well, the first point is simply this. I believe we have blind spots because it's easier to look at the issue in other people's lives than it is to consider our own life. It's easier for me to look at the issues in your life than it is for me to consider the issues in my own life. And how many of you understand that most of us by default choose the path of least resistance? Right? We like the easy way. How many of you understand the easy way is not always the better way? And we want to get we want to get better, right? I'm not looking for easier. I'm looking for better. I'm looking for a better way to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better pastor, to be a better leader, to be a better Christian, to be a better person. I'm not looking for easier ways. I'm looking for better ways. I want to get better. I believe God wants us to get better. I believe God wants us to tap into that last 10% where our life really begins to move to a place of effectiveness and efficiency beyond anything that we've ever known before. So how does that happen? Well, first of all, it happens by recognizing, hey, I've got blind spots. Why do I have blind spots? Because it's just easier to look at your problems and your issues instead of considering mine. Look what Jesus said in the story. He says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and not consider the speck? The plank in your own eye. So this morning, I want to just challenge you to begin to think about, boy, isn't it easier to look at the, isn't it easier? I mean, we almost kind of sometimes have a little fun finding fault with other people. (laughs) And it's easier to look for other issues in other people's lives than it is to consider my own issues. Let me say it this way. It's easier to look at the masses than it is to look in the mirror. It's easier to look at the masses than it is to look in the mirror. See, the mirror demands change. The mirror demands that something begins to happen in my life. The mirror demands that there has to be some transformation that begins to take place. And it's not enough just to look at the masses and say, oh, well, you know, man, they got this issue. Boy, their family's really struggling and their marriage. I can't believe he treats his wife that way. Money, I mean, they don't know how to handle money. It is so pitiful. And she don't even do those things. And their house, have you seen their house? I mean, do they ever clean it? Isn't it easy? Isn't it easy to look at all the little issues? Isn't it easy to kind of people watch and find the faults and the failures and the struggles and the issues that people have? And isn't it a little hard? Isn't it a little challenging? Isn't it a little difficult to really start considering our own issues? 
our own heart. The second reason why I believe we've got blind spots just kind of lines right up with that same kind of thinking, but I want to just kind of dig a little deeper and drill down a little further. It, it, we have blind spots because not only is it easier to look at other people's issues than it is to consider our own, but it's also easier to find fault with people than it is to find freedom in our own heart. It's easier for me to find fault with you than it is for me to find freedom with myself. Because all that's required for me to find fault with you is just a pointy finger. Have you noticed that whenever the Lord, have you ever had God convict you about something, point something out in your life that he wants to deal with or work on? And isn't it, isn't it interesting that sometimes our natural tendency, not our spiritual tendency, but our natural tendency, when God points out a fault or a failure, an issue in our own heart, God, when God points out our, our natural tendency is to begin to compare ourselves to other people that aren't doing quite as good as us. Right? We never compare ourselves to Jesus. <laughs> Right, God shows you an issue in your heart. You're like, oh, well, compared to Jesus, I'm doing really good. No, we never say that. But what we do, right, what we do is we look at other people. We say, Lord, I know that's really not good. I know I'm not operating at the best of my level. But you know, God, I'm doing a lot better than they are. I'm doing a lot better than she is. Lord, I'm doing a lot better than he is. And, Lord, I know this is not good. But, Lord, my not good compared to his not good is really pretty good. Have y'all noticed we have a natural tendency to do that? Our little carnal flesh will begin to justify the little issues in our lives and God begins to deal with us and God begins to convict us and God begins to show us things in our lives that he wants to change. And let me just say this to you today. When God confronts an issue in your heart, God never confronts or reveals an issue in your heart to condemn you. God confronts the issues in your heart to empower you to change. Right, just like the mirror. The Bible compares the Word of God to the mirror. Looking in a mirror is like looking in the Word of the Lord. And when you read the Bible and the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you about issues in your life, how many of you understand it's not the mirror that changes you, it's just the mirror that empowers you to change. It just shows you who you really are. See, this morning before we came to church, right, everybody in this room looked in a mirror. And if you didn't, we can tell. Right? We all looked in the mirror this morning. Everybody, everybody spent a little time. Maybe it was just a car mirror before you got out of the car. But we all looked in the mirror, right? And there's something amazing about the mirror. The mirror doesn't change you, but the mirror empowers you to change. Why? Because it tells you and shows you who you really are. Let you see your bed head sticking up in the back, right? You know, all this stuff's not what it's supposed to be, and you're having to brush, and you're having to do all these things that we do, right? I was getting ready to walk out of the house this morning. I usually, I've got this little goatee thing, so I don't shave during the week, praise God. I let everything else grow. And Saturday night, I shaved to get ready for Sunday morning, and then we had an encounter this weekend, so I was getting ready to leave, literally about to walk out the door, and I did one more look in the mirror, and I'm like, I didn't shave. So I started shaving. So if I missed a few hairs, I'm sorry, I was running late. But you know what? The, the mirror didn't change me, but it empowered me to change. And, and when, we, when we make a decision, let me just say this, we, we've got to make a decision. I, I don't want to live in the blind spots. I don't want to live there. I don't want to live as a fault finder. See, all you got to do to find fault is point your finger. 
But if you're going to find freedom for your own heart, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to take responsibility for your life. You're going to have to take responsibility for your choices, your decisions, your attitudes, your actions. You're going to have to take responsibility. And that's not always fun, and it usually definitely is not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to take responsibility for your actions, your attitude, your attitude, or your, or, or, or your life. But you know what? It's necessary. It's necessary if we want to come out of the blind spots, if we want to stop living with these little hidden hindrances. I mean, how many of us are honestly could say today, you know what, God? I'm so tired of just getting to that point where I know there's so much more, but I never get to so much more. Why is it I can never get to so much more? Why is it that I hit this, this limit in my life and I can seemingly never break through to that next level? Maybe it's because there is a hidden hindrance in your heart called a blind spot and you're not even dealing with the very thing that is keeping you from what God has purposed for your life. So how do we overcome blind spots? That's where we want to kind of hang our hat today. We want to kind of drive into that a little bit this morning. How do we overcome our blind spots? The first thing is just really simple. Jesus told us what to do, right? Matthew 7, Jesus told us how to win this battle. The first thing that has to happen is we have to consider ourselves. We have to consider ourselves, right? We have to take an honest evaluation of our own heart and our lives. We got to be willing to look in the mirror spiritually, relationally, emotionally, physically, financially, and really get an honest evaluation of our lives. And again, it's not easy, and it's usually not even fun. Kelly's got one of these magnifying mirrors. All you ladies know what that is, right? I tell Kelly, if I looked at that, I'd never go anywhere. Come on, that's horrible. You're like, somehow you got these big holes in your face you never see till you look in that big old magnifying mirror. And I'm not saying we got to magnify our issues, but I'm saying we need to take a little gut check, right? We need some honest evaluation. And the first step to overcoming the blind spots in your life is that you have to be willing to take an honest evaluation of your own heart and your own life. You have to be willing to consider yourself and really look at yourself. And what's an awesome prayer is to ask God, Lord, let me see my blind spots. God, let me see my blind spots. That's a great prayer to pray. God, let me see my blind spots. Let me see those hidden hindrances. Let me see those things that are keeping me from that last 10% of really breaking through into what I know, God, you've got for me. Look what the scripture says. Ian alluded to it this morning as we were partaking of communion about examining ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13 also says the same thing. Look what it says. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you really examined yourself? When's the last time you really tested yourself by the standard of the Word of God? When's the last time you really looked in the mirror of Scripture and said, God, I want to see who I am in light of your Word? Not to condemn me, but to empower me to change. See, that's why I believe daily reading of Scripture is critical to your Christian life because it's when you're in the Word every day, you're looking in the mirror of God's Word, you're seeing yourself in light of who God has called you to see, and it's that revelation and only that revelation that empowers you to change. When's the last time you did that? And if you're not doing it, let me encourage you. Hey, guys, we got blind spots. 
We got to consider ourselves. We got to take honest evaluation of ourselves. We got to examine ourselves. We got to test ourselves to make sure that our faith is genuine, that our hearts are right, that we are what we are, that we are where we are supposed to be and doing what we're supposed to do by just examining ourselves by the Word of God. Amen. The second thing that has to happen is that we have to be willing and obedient to the work that God wants to do in our lives. We have to be willing and obedient to the work that God wants to do in our lives. Because when you go to God and you say, God, show me my blind spots, guess what God's going to do? He's going to show you. <laughs> I mean, God is going to get the spotlight of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to right there. And all of a sudden, he's going to begin to show you those things in your life, those little blind spots, those little hidden hindrances, those little bitty things. And again, I'm not even really talking about sin issues here. Most of us are pretty obvious to the fact that there's real sin or rebellion and all kinds of wickedness in our life. We kind of pick up on those things pretty quick. But it's those little subtle things. The Bible says it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. It's those little inconsistencies in our life that rob us of that last 10%. It's those little hidden things. Not necessarily sinful things, but hidden things, blind spots that we have somehow missed along the way in this fast-paced journey of faith, and all of a sudden we're, we're bumping this 90%, but we can't ever seem to break through to that last 10% where God has his fullest glory. And so we have to be willing and we have to be obedient to the work that God wants to do because the moment you ask God to show you those things, guess what he's going to do? He's going to show you. And he's going to challenge you and me to change. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. You'll have that last 10%. You'll press in and break through to what God has for your life. But look at verse 20. Because verse 20 is where we go a lot of times. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. If you refuse to rebel, how many times has God showed us things that he wanted to change and instead of being willing and obedient, we refused and rebelled? We just ignored it. God, I, I know I heard you say that, but I'm going to pretend I didn't hear you say that because I really don't want to deal with that because it's not easy and it's not fun, but it's necessary. It's necessary. It's necessary for you to break through. It's necessary for you to eat the good of the land. It's necessary for you to possess the promise that God really wants to give you. And again, this applies to every area of our life. Our relationships, our friendships, our finances, our spiritual life, our ministry life, our occupational life, our high school, college life, whatever season of life you may be in, this applies to you because there's always that last 10% that really does make the big difference. It makes the big difference. So I've got to be willing and obedient. Monday morning when the Lord showed me that in my life that I had missed some divine opportunities to connect with people because I was outside of my environment and I was in their environment and I wasn't connecting with them the way I should have been connecting with people, the Lord told me something. He gave me a word. He, he told me to read a book. And for all the men in here, you cringe. You're like, oh, Lord, that's the worst thing in the world. i got to read a book. He said, read a book. He said, read a book, a book I'd read a long time ago. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a people person book. It's called uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Dale Carnegie. 
how to win friends, influence people. God said, I just want you to resharpen your skills on what it means to connect with people in every environment, not just in your environment. So I bought the book. I'd read it years ago. I don't know where it's at now, but I bought the book again. bought on Audible Thursday, Tuesday morning. I was in the gym at 4 a.m., and I was listening to that book. I've been listening to it every day since then. Why? Because I want that last 10%. I want, I want that last 10%. And let me tell you, the key to change is really not that difficult. The key to change is simply being willing to do what God says to do. Sometimes it's as simple as read a book. I mean, think about that. Really, how hard is that? Aren't, aren't we like, aren't we like uh, Naaman in the Bible? You remember Naaman? Naaman was a leper. And Naaman went to the prophet of God, and the prophet of God told Naaman to go dip in the Jordan River seven times, and, and Naaman got mad. He said, like, man, he said, the Jordan River's a nasty river. There's nicer rivers where we came from. And his servant came to him and said, if he'd have asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? He just asked you to do something simple. Just go dip in the river, and God will heal you. And I want you to understand today, there is deliverance, and there is healing, and there is breakthrough in your life by just simply obeying. Read a book. Say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologize. You ever heard God say that? Well, Lord, I didn't do anything wrong. That's irrelevant. Trust me, you were wrong. <laughs> Apologize. Right? Just be willing and obedient. Isn't it amazing? What happens? That is really the simplicity of change. It's not this big complicated thing. It's the simple thing of just being willing and obedient to what God speaks to your life. So when God identifies something and God shows you something, then just be willing and obedient to do what God says to do. And you'll eat the good of the land. The third thing, I want you to see this. Third way, how do we, how do we overcome blind spots? The third thing is, is we have to invite other people into the process. We have to invite other people in the process. Why do we have to invite other people in the process? Because you're blind to your blind spots. <laughs> right? You're blind to your blind spots. Why do you need other people? Because you're blind to your blind spots. And sometimes God's been telling you those things for years, and we just have somehow figured out how to ignore that voice of God. At least in that area, right? If you notice, we can hear the things we want to hear and the other things that we don't want to hear. Sometimes we don't hear those, right? It's called selective hearing. I think you get that when you're about 13 years old. And so we need to invite other people into the process. James chapter 5 says, Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. For the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It has great power and great authority and great things begin to happen. We've got to invite other people into the process. Why? Because we're blind to our blind spots. And even when we're intentionally asking God to reveal them to us, how many of you understand there are godly people in your life that love you and care about you that could help? All of us do better. Let me give you a question to ask. I asked Kelly this question on Thursday. I said, baby, let me ask you this question. I said, what is one thing that you see in my life that I could change that could make a big difference in my life? What is one thing that you see in my life that I could change that would make a big difference in my life? She said, I got to pray about that one. <laughs> and I'm expecting an answer Tuesday. <laughs> you know what? 
You can't ask everybody that question, but you all have people in your life that love you, that care about you. See, my wife, Kelly, is more is as concerned and interested in God's will in my life as I am. She desires God's best for me, just like I desire God's best for her. And I know I can trust her to be open and honest. And nobody knows me like Kelly knows me. And so I asked her Thursday, I said, what's one thing that I could change in my life that would make a big difference? I want to hear your perspective. Now, does that mean that person's God? Absolutely not. Does it mean they, they, could, they couldn't miss it? No, they could totally miss it. But it also means they could get it right. <laughs> and I'm convinced more times than not, they probably could help us identify some blind spots. Because, again, you're blind to your blind spots. Fourth thing, let's look at this last process here, is we have to use our freedom to help others find freedom. If you want to overcome your blind spots, you got to consider yourself, you got to be willing and obedient, you got to invite other people into the process, and then you have to be willing. That last step is, I believe, one of the most critical steps for not just overcoming your blind spots, but for sustaining the momentum that God is going to give you. You have to be willing to help other people find freedom with the freedom that God gives you. Let, let me give you a great scripture here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Use your freedom. See, one of the best ways to not only overcome your blind spots, but one of the best ways to keep from going back is to use the freedom that God gives you to help other people find freedom. See, in the story, Matthew 7, Jesus doesn't rebuke the guy for wanting to get the speck out of his eye. Jesus rebukes the guy because he's first not willing to deal with the plank in his own eye. And as a matter of fact, the last verse we read there out of Matthew 7, Jesus said this, first get the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly so you can help your brother get the speck out of his eye. How many know Christianity is about serving and helping and ministering to other people? How do, I, how do I overcome my blind spots? Let me say it this way. Stop finding fault with people and start ministering freedom to people. Stop finding fault. Let me say it another way. Stop trying to fix people and start serving people out of love. That's what Galatians 5 said. Use your freedom to serve others out of a heart of love. I don't know about you. Let me just be real honest with you. When I, when I realize somebody's trying to fix me, I usually get resistant. Right? You find out somebody's got this little hidden agenda and they're trying to fix you. Most of us don't respond real well to that. Now, we should respond to it, but I'm just saying most of us don't. But you know what I never resist? I never resist somebody that wants to help me, somebody that wants to serve me. I never resist somebody that loves me and cares about me and wants to come alongside me and help me obtain what God has for my life. I welcome those people. I'm resistant to people that want to fix me, but I am inclusive to people that want to serve me and that love me and want to help me find the freedom that Jesus has for me.
And I'm convinced that one of the greatest blind spots in Christianity is that we get so caught up trying to be God, people don't experience God. Because we want to fix people. If you're a parent, I promise you, you want to fix people. If you're a parent of adult children, you want to fix people. Right? As a matter of fact, you're going to go to work tomorrow and you've already had a plan last week of how you could fix the people you work with. Because if they would just act right and do right and talk right and live right and work right, then everything would be right. And in reality, all we're really thinking about is how can we make our life easier by making them act better in a way that is conducive to our pleasure. That's worth buying the CD and we don't even sell CDs. That was good. So we, we have got to come to a place where we are committed to, number one, being transparent before God. Number two, letting God change us and transform us. Number three, inviting people into the process. And number four, making sure that instead of being fault finders, we are freedom ministers that don't try to fix people, but try to serve people out of love. You want to change your family, you want to change your job, you want to change your community, then go home and go to work tomorrow, and instead of trying to fix the people you work with, start serving the people you work with with a joyful, loving heart. And they will make room for you. You want to create peace in your family? Stop trying to fix your family and start loving and serving your family. And the kids that don't want to talk to you will actually invite you to sit down and talk with them. Why? Because nobody wants to be fixed, but we all really want to be helped. And that's what God wants to do. I want us just to bow our heads today. If you're watching online, I want you just right now, in wherever you're at, just to bow your head, just to get still before the Lord. And I want to ask you, what's the last 10%? What area in your life is lacking the last 10%? I want you to put your finger on it right now. Just in your mind, just nail that thing down. Here's an area of my life I need that last 10%. I want you right now just to be honest with God. Lord, show us our blind spots. God, show us those little hidden hindrances that have kept us from breaking through to that last 10%. And God, give us the grace that we need to be willing and obedient to change. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning or you're watching online, maybe you're listening today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Keith, I, I don't know Jesus. I don't really have a relationship with God. I want to tell you some good news. God doesn't want to fix you. God wants to help you. He wants to help you find freedom. Freedom from sin shame, guilt, condemnation. He wants to help you find freedom from your past mistakes and shortcomings. He wants to help you find the life 
that he died so you could live. And he loved you enough to send his son Jesus to die on a cross, pay the penalty for your sin and my sin, rise again on the third day so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what God offers each and every one of us today. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I want that. I need the help of God. I can't fix myself. And I realize I'm broken. Let me just say, we're broken. You're not alone. We're a broken people. And we need a loving Savior to help us find freedom. Today you can be free. You can be forgiven of your sins and your past. You can be free of guilt and shame. And you can find the freedom that only Jesus can bring when he becomes your Lord and your Savior. If you're here today or watching online and you want to do that, if you're here today, stand. Let's just take a bold act of faith. Let's stand. If you're watching at home, just stand up right there in your living room, in your bedroom. Just take a simple act of faith. Today I want to find the freedom that only Jesus can give. Freedom from my past. Freedom from guilt and shame. Freedom so I can live the life God's called me to live. If that's you, I want you just to stand up boldly all over this building. We're going to pray together. Today you can find freedom. Today Jesus can be the Lord and the Savior of your life. And you can have the promise and the assurance of eternity in heaven. Let's just pray together today. Let's say it out loud, all of you, if you would. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross, rose again on the third day to set me free. I ask you today to come into my heart, be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Lead me into your future. I accept the gift and the grace that Jesus Christ gives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer online today, we want to encourage you, message us, let us know you prayed that prayer, accepted Christ. If you prayed that prayer today, maybe you didn't stand to your feet, but we'd love to hear from you and we want to help you take that next step, amen, in following him. I want to encourage all of us today, let's grab hold of that last 10%. Let's move in to what God really has for us. And let's work the process that he's made for us today. Amen. God bless you today. You are dismissed. Come on, let's give the Lord one more round of play, praise. Amen. Have a great day in the Lord.